Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 67. <laughs> Sorry, oh. I, I, I just let it echo through the halls of 10,000 Hours history there. 67, that's a monumentous. Monumentous? Monumental. Momentous. Yes. <laughs> Either one. You know what? Maybe both together. Uh, it is kind of monumentous because we've got Barrett Brooks on the show. No, don't adjust your microphone, your headphones, or your computer. That's not an error. We've got Barrett Brooks on again. He was on episode four, and he was great there ever since and before. He's been a great friend to us and the show, an ultimate homie. And we had him back on to talk about something very appropriate. Did, did you call him? Did you call him an ultimate homie? Yes. Wow, respect. Yeah, Barrett truly is. Like he's one of my closest friends. Like he is in the inner circle that I would include you and Vince. And so I was like, just what a treat. And he's so he's just like smart. <laughs> he's just great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're talking about perspectives, right, Vinny? We're talking about even more so changing perspectives. Oh, changing. And yeah, we're all kind of in this state of transition. You and he especially, Grant, and we decided it would be a perfect opportunity to have him back on, kind of compare and contrast where he was 18 months ago, use it as a means to examine the change in our own lives, and on a bigger scale, the change in our creative philosophies over time. Turned out to be an excellent conversation. Yeah, he's fantastic. And funny enough, I think... I think we may have the same exact sponsor that we had a year and a half ago, which is a cool thing, really. It's a, a testament to, I think, the show and to them. Uh, we, we both stuck around. Uh, and that is Simplecast, which is the tool we use to publish our podcast. And I know you use to publish your other podcast, these parts. Um, yeah, Simplecast.fm uh, makes it super easy. I, I get a lot of questions about... You know how? Uh, where do I publish? How do I get to iTunes? How do I do? It? Honestly, this is kind of a one-stop shop. Gets it all. It's the only way. answer to the question. Really. <laughs> yeah, really, it truly is. So uh, check them out again. Simplecast.fm. Thank you for your support of the show, Simplecast. Thank you, Vince. Hey, thank you, Grant. Thank you, Bear Brooks, for coming back again for a second hour of ten thousand hours. And thanks, listeners, as always. Enjoy episode sixty-seven: Changing Perspectives. about taking my pants off because I'm in the bonus room at uh, Nicole's parents' house. And you said I'm in the boners room. <laughs> so hot in here. <sighs> so I was saying I don't want any like uh, lead up or is it? It is still runway because. Okay, I was thinking like, oh, runway is just when you land. But runway is also when you take off. Absolutely. And there's something beautiful about that, Vince. It's like we're, we're on the runway right now. And here's the question. Are we going to take off from here? Are we going to land here? I, we don't know. And, and that's the beauty of the cast. We take off on this runway. We lift up into the air. Revving that plane engine. Yeah, that's the plane sound. Up, yeah. Get up around 20, 25,000 feet. It's embarrassing that I don't know if that's ridiculously <laughs> overshot or undershot. Yeah, get, I have no idea. Get up through those cumulus clouds, go flying up into the sky, and we don't know what airport we're going to land at. And I know this is a post 9-11 society, and it's not, it's not really you a thing you You kind of want know. to know you're gonna what wanna, airport you're going to want to play. But, okay, 
bear with us for a second. In the podcast world, it's the wild, wild west. You can land at whatever airport on any runway you want. And that's what I love. And that leads me to this question. Coming from the cockpit, the captain here speaking. Vince, what are you working on? What are you putting your time into? And you may now roam about the cabin. <laughs> All right. As elaborate as that was, I actually kind of like that as Thank a lead-in. Uh, I've been good, man. I've been good. Stuff's going on in my personal life. Uh, I'm looking for a place to move. Uh, things are going work at or things are going well at work. Uh, keeping me busy from a professional sense. Uh, I have a freelance client that I really like. Um, Bluebird Gardens. They're a farm. Really big into organic community produce, and so I'm helping them with some communications. So they're a really great client to work with. So they're fun. Uh, so those guys have me on message matrix kind of sales materials duty right now. Been a lot of fun. Been a lot of work. Grant. What have you been putting your time into recently? So you're going to be shocked uh, when I am the one who says this, but I've actually been listening to a little bit of these parts, your other podcast, and normally I get I took pissed. great care to not mention I know. It. I appreciated that. I could tell you, because like, that's a, certainly a thing you've been putting time into. But uh, dude, great show. I, I would definitely recommend people go listen to it. It's hilarious. Thanks, man. That yeah. means a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to pitch it beyond that. If you're truly intrigued, go to these parts. What is it? Theseparts.simplecast.fm? That's exactly Pretty it. Pretty good stuff. Okay, um, but yes, uh, I just moved. I'm sort of in interim. It's kind of an exciting time for me. I threw my stuff in storage. Uh, <laughs> That's kind of liberating, right? Yeah, oh, my God. Suddenly not yeah, have all your stuff to marshal around. So scary for a second, and then it was like, wait, this is incredible. Um, but, of course, there are all sorts of things that uh, revolve around moving, around you know, adjusting your systems, your life, your routines, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I've still been jamming on a bunch of projects. I just cut a new reel. I haven't posted it yet, but pretty oh, quick seriously? here. Maybe I'll give you a sneak peek. Um, yeah, working on another music video. Um, I'm, dude, I'm, I can finally say this thing. It's super funny. Like, <laughs> it's uh, such a random project, but I'm directing the cold open sequence for this comedian, this stand-up comedian named Lachlan Peterson, or Patterson, excuse me. Um, really funny guy. He got like second on last comic standing. And uh, he's recording his, his stand-up special in Venice in maybe in early September. And uh, so I'm popping out there to do some writing with him and scouting and uh, going to direct Wait, this like... popping out? Like flying out to L.A., uh, oh, prior. Venice, California. Now. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> Italy. Venice, Italy, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool That too. classic stand-up uh, <laughs> comedy <laughs> locale. <laughs> yeah, so that thing. And, uh, you know, other things in the works. Pretty fun. Um, and, of course, here we are podcasting. Very excited to be back in the booth, proverbially speaking. Yeah, we have a bit of a hiatus. And not only are we back in the booth, but we're back with BB, young Barrett Brooks. Do the any first returning guest? Yes. The first, this is a 10,000 hours first. We have a repeat guest. I think it's very fitting. Not only is he a personal friend of ours and a great friend of the show and a great episode in the yeah. annals of 10,000 hours history, but he's also pertinent to kind of where we are right now. It's crazy. All, all of these things coming together. What was he? Episode five, uh, four. Four. Episode four. Barrett Brooks. Check that out. What was the... Man, I... Brooks? Uh, was it... Mm, Barrett? 
It was quite a wide-ranging conversation last time we got together. <laughs> the, you're not wrong, Barrett. It certainly was. You're Hold not on. wrong. Uh, uh, you, you keep chatting. Let me find this. Barrett, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, well, Grant's looking up the reference material. Why don't you kind of introduce yourself to those who aren't familiar with you? Well, because, yeah, your, your situation has changed quite a bit. There's so much going on, guys. It's so exciting. It's uh, I'm so honored, guys. You, you brought me on as the first repeat guest, and I got to believe that that's just because I'm so great. But part of me is like, you know, they just needed to get back into it, and they needed to ease into it with, when they did. You know what it is, Barrett? I mean, okay, I, I will say that's part of it. You know, we needed a safe space. Um, but really, we needed someone, and we wanted someone who was in the inner circle, Yes. Oh, Episode yes. four, yes. The nice. Inner Circle with Barrett Brooks. Fantastic conversation about those close to you, <laughs> those creative allies, those collaborators. Absolutely. We did. We, t- we talked a lot about relationships that time. So we're going to talk about some different stuff today. But on my end of things, uh, I've been putting time into, this is not work-related, but uh, planning a wedding. Wow. One. Hey, Miles Toff and congratulations. I'm, you know what I'm I'm hyped about? Our editor dropping in those wedding bells and uh, oh, other man. wedding uh, sort of sounds. Here it's comes so the cool. Bride, the violin yeah. score. Yeah, thing. all yeah. of them. One of my favorite developments since last time I came on the show is the fact that there is an editor and he gets these cues just to see if he's awake at the wheel. <laughs> and, and he uh, is. He's way better than we deserve, frankly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he just drops them in there and it's great and he just keeps on going and he has a good little chuckle every time he listens to the finished product, I guarantee. Yeah, you're so right. We actually had him on the last episode we posted. Uh, Pat Lager, the hero that is the 10,000 hours sound technician. Yeah. So yeah, we're uh, we're getting married next year and we're planning all of it now like 8 months in advance because this month we're moving across the country to Portland, Oregon from Atlanta, Georgia. So like you Grant, uh, we didn't put our stuff in storage. We actually sold all of it. So we're going to take one car across the country and whatever will fit in that car is what we get to keep and everything else we've gotten rid of. So that's pretty liberating and a little weird. Um, and then from a work standpoint, uh, we're growing Fizzle, which is an online education platform for independent entrepreneurs where we teach people how to grow their business week after week. Yes. Yeah, so, hey, I feel like some more context, too. The last time we spoke, we were, man, how I don't know how far removed we were, probably six or seven months removed from that Seth Godin project that we had worked on. And you were full steam ahead in Atlanta. Well, you're in Atlanta now, but you're about to move. But you were full steam ahead on Living for Monday in Atlanta, right? That was your totally. gig. That was your yep. thing. That was the thing you had started and you'd put a lot of time and energy into. And that was essentially, I mean, in a lot of ways, it seems pretty peripherally or even like very closely related to the work you're doing now. Definitely. I think the only difference is like before I was talking a lot to people who were working for others, while now our audience is much more entrepreneurs doing their own thing. Mm. So the concepts are very similar, though, definitely. Cool. So I'm glad that you said that because it ties pretty perfectly into the topic at hand. And it's a topic that we kind of saved for this special occasion that's first ever repeat guest. What we're talking about is changing perspectives, how our core kind of pursuits can stay the same but the way we apply them, the way they influence us, and the way we feed that influence back into them changes over time. And so it's a very appropriate topic for a repeat guest, our first ever repeat guest, and super, super appropriate for you, Barrett. 
Definitely. And for all of us right now, I think it sounds like we're all in this kind of interesting state of transition and changing our own perspectives. Dude, it's the it's the liminal state. I think it's exciting. I, I mean, <laughs> if I may say right off the bat, I think the irony of of that idea and <laughs> something I've come to grips with is it's a lot of what I talk about is like expectations and like reaching goals and like success and and what is the reality of a lot of those things. And it's like wh- Everything is liminal. <laughs> there is there is no nothing that is in, in flux. You know, it's just such a constant. Um, and I mean, I guess a lot of that's sort of like the idea of like dancing with fear, right? It doesn't go away. You just have to kind of keep dancing with it. But it's like it's a little bit fucked up. <laughs> sometimes I'm I, sometimes I can get a little twisted about it. It's like, oh wait, like it doesn't get easier. Oh, it doesn't get like you know. It's funny. It's like you reach uh you reach new levels and you have you know, new peers or new people you look up to or new mentors or whatever, or new accomplishments that you've reached. And you do, you just realize like, hey, there's something else out there that I'm still fired up about that I still want to go get, that I still want to go after. And there's never just this state of, at least I don't think in this creative community, people who are driven to make work and put things into the world, there's never just this state of being, this state of like, oh, I made it and everything's good now. Because that defeats the purpose. Like the whole point is to pursue the things, to pursue better work. And so I think you're right. Yeah, there, I think there's a balance there, though, too, and maybe maybe one that I've at least struck better over the course of the last like few years. And I think Vince, we talked about this a lot, but I think earlier in the show too, where I was like, "Oh, I'm not like super anxious and freaking out all the time now." You know, oh, okay, that's that's a positive impact. And I, but I think so. Maybe what happens is you kind of transfer some of those energies uh, into into acknowledging the fear and into dancing with it, into like figuring that stuff out. But okay, we're a little bit farther from where I want to start, actually. I'm wondering, Bear, if you could just talk a little bit about what has changed with you, not just professionally, but like kind of what you've learned, how you've evolved, where you're at, you know, uh, since last time you were on the show. It's been about a year, year and a half. Yeah, probably I mean, a little you- over a year, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, totally. So I think uh, last time we talked, I was probably almost ready to shut down living for Monday as a company. And um, I don't remember exactly what did it or what was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back. But basically, we were having uh, a conversation internally, me and the guy that was working with me on living for Monday. And we came back from working for Seth Godin. Grant and I did that together. And it really affected the way that I looked at my work and the way that I saw the work that we were trying to do at living for Monday. And it made me realize that we were, we're doing, we were doing a lot of things wrong. And so we made some big adjustments in the company, kind of completely pivoted the way we were presenting the work we were doing. And to get it done well, we were going to start producing video courses to help young professionals perform at work. And we took this idea to our investor and said, hey, this is where we want to take the company. You know, This is our vision. We're going to need more money each month, but not more money overall. So he had committed $120,000 to the company over the course of two years, I think, or something like that. And we were just saying, hey, we want to accelerate some of those funds so that we can get to the point where we have a great product. And he just kind of said, you know, that's great. Uh, It's cool that you have a vision and everything. And I'm not going to go for that. I'm not going to give you any more money. I'm not convinced that that's going to make a difference. Uh, You can do it my way now. And my way is that we can start up a newsletter, a paper newsletter, send it to all of my small business clients and teach them how to hire and train uh, employees in today's environment. And it was like, hmm, well, the first problem with your idea is that that has nothing to do with today's environment. 
And uh, that was when I knew we were just completely misaligned with our investor and that we weren't going to be able to make a ton of progress. And I think that was kind of the moment when I decided that I'd rather go find another application of the beliefs I have about the way we work and the work we should seek out as professionals rather than just trudge through this thing that I didn't believe in anymore at Living for Monday. So that was the first big change was we shut that whole deal down, which was weird. You know, it's weird to spend three years of your life and say, all right, we didn't accomplish what we set out to accomplish, but I'm going to hit the eject button anyways. Um, So that was the first big change. The second thing was it kind of came out of a conference I went to this year. It's called uh, the Annual Meeting of the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. And they bring together this organization called the World Economic Forum brings together um, executives of, you know, Fortune 500 type companies, politicians from all over the world, academic researchers, all these different kind of thought leaders and, and movers and shakers to one place to have conversations about this global agenda that they set. So they talk about climate change and they talk about, you know, the economics of globalization and uh, sustainability efforts within companies and all this kind of stuff. And through that, they invite 50 what they call global shapers. So it's this young professionals network across the globe. They invite 50 of these 20 to 30 year olds to come and be a part of the conversation and kind of be the voice of a younger generation. And this experience was so fascinating to me because we had a seat at the table with presidents of countries and, you know, CEOs of major companies, Nike, Coca-Cola, you know, name the brand. And they listened to us. They wanted to hear our perspective on what consumers think about today when we're thinking about what we're going to buy and what direction we think the world needs to go in so that we're not just completely fucked. And um, that was really empowering. And I came home more convinced than ever that my work mattered, that my voice mattered, that I needed to double down on becoming valuable as a person and a professional so that when those opportunities like that arise, I do have a voice worth hearing and I'm not just there bullshitting or talking to be heard, but really having something to say and an opinion on things. And so what that did was it convinced me that when I came home, I needed to do a couple things. Number one was I needed to get married because I wasn't getting any younger. My girlfriend at the time and I had been together six years and it was just time. We were committed to each other already and there was no reason to delay that. And I was more convinced than ever that having that support system there was going to be the thing that empowered me in other areas of my life. And then the second thing I did was I wrote this long essay to the two co-founders of the company I now work for, Fizzle. And I said, guys, we've got so much potential right now because the whole world is thinking about entrepreneurship and freelancing and this whole creative economy that comes out of the disillusionment with the industrial system and the way that people now work is changing. And we're at kind of the center of that, educating people how to be independent professionals. And I think we've got a huge opportunity if we just seize it. And so I kind of laid out this plan for what I thought we needed to do as a company to continue to grow and capitalize on this movement. And part of that was working more closely together and working more quickly to build our product and become the best in the world at what we do. But also, I thought that being in the same place would allow us to do that more quickly, to collaborate more closely, to communicate better. And so I made a commitment to myself and to them that at some point I was going to move out there. And so, you know, that's come to fruition now, eight months later or whatever, but those seeds were planted early in the year this year. So those are some of the big changes so far. Whew. Barrett, those are big changes. Those are fundamental changes. And yes, they're like game plan, strategy, infrastructural changes to your professional, your career, your personal life, et cetera. But they're also philosophy changes. You touched on some very important things that indicated a change in your personal perspective. And so 
I would like to kind of pose a devil's advocate question as I'm, you know, known to do from time to time Around on the show. Parts, yeah. uh, change is kind of addressed as an inevitability in a personal sense through growth and evolution and through just an environmental sense. The world changes, so we must change to meet it, etc. I want to know how, I mean, you, you laid out pretty concrete differences in opinion, why you stopped living for Monday and why you changed your point of view in that regard. But when is committing and writing things out the correct answer? And when is doing something so bold, brave, and scary as cutting bait and changing directions and pivoting the right move? When do you decide, no, I'm going to stay the course? And when do you decide, no, I'm going to change my perspective? It's so hard. You know, I think it's the first thing I'll say is it's always personal. And so whatever works for me is not necessarily going to work for every person out there. But, you know, this is the the topic of an entire book called The Dip that I think everyone should read. And it's basically about knowing when to quit and when to push forward. Um, In the case of Living for Monday, the seeds were planted very early on, actually, with the decision I ended up making. So rather than this decision being made to quit in, you know, whatever, April or March of 2014, the seeds were actually planted when I raised money a year and a half before or a year before. And at that time, I gave away 40% of the company. I raised this amount of money. I brought on an investor who wasn't a seasoned investor, didn't have experience you know, with the digital marketing world, with the online world, with technology as it stands today. And I raised money at a time when I was desperate. I needed the money in order to continue to try and build this company. And that's the exact wrong time to raise money. And so I ended up with all of these circumstances where this investor had a ton of control over what we were doing. He withheld the money and only paid it out monthly. So it wasn't like we got one lump sum into our bank account. Uh, So he was always in control of kind of the decisions we were making as a result of that. And I think the decision to leave was just ultimately that playing out and seeing that we didn't have an aligned vision, which is something that, uh, you know, we should have worked out earlier. We should have thrashed early and talked early about what our shared mm. vision was for the company before we went in on it together dude oh no. I, I i heard the inhale was there was there a brooks momentum that i just stuck no not at all okay so you what you're making me think about there was um and we've talked about this before i think vince but um this idea when i think of people in investing and people looking for support and in general it's like um, something I've said before is like it should be it shouldn't be you seeking an investor or any really truly any sort of validation or permission um, to start a fire for you. What you should have is a blazing fire and they should be putting jet fuel on it. I think totally. I've used that metaphor before. So I feel like this is very much a perspectives thing when I think about it because when I'm talking to a, it doesn't have to be a younger person, but often it is a younger person, right? Someone who is less seasoned in any regard and even when I'm talking to someone who's more experienced, right? It's like trying to understand the perspective of the person you're talking to or the person you're looking for validation from or investment from or whatever. And it's like you need, 
it's we all want validation. We all want someone to like tell us it's okay and tell us things are going to be okay and tell us that we're we're good and we are okay. Uh, but the best relationships, the best projects, the best collaborations, all of those things come from understanding the other person's perspective, understanding the other person's motivation, and aligning those. And I think it's like a very green and uh, like a standard move to to want that and to take it if you can get it because. Because that person doesn't understand your perspective either, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just like uh, perspectives are so, so important, especially in collaboration to me. Totally. And so I think, you know, to, to close that story out, to answer your question, I knew it was time to move on because I knew I could no longer achieve the vision I set out to achieve with that project. And so it doesn't mean, you know, my mission as a person or my beliefs about the world have to change. It just means, hey, that project didn't work out. That's okay. It's time to move on because we're not going to accomplish what we set out to accomplish here. So why force it? You know, why force the continuation of that project just for the sake of saying that we're still working on it? And in fact, that's played out pretty well for me because I got to start something new, which was jumping on board with the Fizzle team and accelerating, like you just said, Grant, something that was already working and jumping onto a team where I could learn from more seasoned entrepreneurs and pick up some of the lessons I didn't get to pick up when I went in whole hog on my own thing. I think it's just so important and vital that we realize that not every end to a project, not every pivot, not every even abandonment of a pursuit is a failure. In fact, it can be absolutely the opposite. In the story that you just shared with us, it sounds like you gained extremely valuable experience, insights, I don't know, things that are, aren't even tangible from your time starting and propelling Living for Monday. And now it's influencing you as you go on to your later pursuits. So when we talk about changing perspectives, I, I just think this, the conversation should be framed in such a way in that... It's not like we're abandoning old, outdated, bad perspectives for new, better, you know, advanced perspectives. It's just a shift. So, yeah, it's, I don't even want to say evolving. I think a lot of it is evolving perspectives, but I almost think sometimes it doesn't, it's the ability to change, not actually alter your own, but the ability to switch between, you know, like think of it as like a, a security guard looking at like 12 different cameras. I think the ability to look from the perspectives of each of those cameras gives you a much clearer picture of the whole. And I think it's so easy, and obviously we get caught up in our own camera, the one camera that we see. You know, we have two eyes, and we're all self-biased. But I think the ability to, or not even the, it's an ability, but I think it's more of a posture, and it's an intentionality. I think you the ability the the posture to question yourself at all times to try and understand other people to listen man like that's like there's so much learning and there's so much growth that happens in those spaces definitely and, it, and it's just this idea of the ability and willingness to change your opinion in the face of new information that's how i look at it yeah and to me that's like the ultimate sign of professionalism and maturity and a willingness to grow towards a vision instead of clinging to whatever it is that you've put out into the world already. And so in the case of something like Living for Monday, it was just like, great. So I picked up all these skills on writing and podcasting and building websites and coaching and a bunch of other skills that I now use for our customers today. But if you had told me you know, a year into Living for Monday 
hey, the best way for you to help other people find meaningful work is to join another team. I would have told you to F off. You know, it's like, no, I'm building a company right now. I'm a founder. Like, I'm important. I am a founder. (laughs) Dude, this is reminding me. That's fundamental, though, right? Yeah. Like, that is exactly what changing perspectives is about. You didn't change your fundamental approach to the world. You didn't change the things you want to set out to accomplish as a person. You just changed your mindset. But that made all the difference. Totally. And I, and I think that's it's just hard to do when you're just a young gun blazing your own trail and doing your own thing. You got to learn some lessons first and you have to grow up a little bit and realize that sometimes you don't have to be all everything to get something done or to accomplish a mission. You might need some people around you that can make you better. That is so well said. I want to quick jump tracks and ask Grant the same question that we asked you in a pointed way. How, Grant, do you think that you've changed over the last year? Because I think that might unlock the next conversational Mm -hmm. kind of area Mm -hmm. for this topic. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, So I'm trying to think. A year ago would have been last summer. I had moved in. I had, I think one of the, or yeah, one of the bigger things I've improved on and started to understand more of has been like <laughs> teamwork. Um, uh, I, you know, sort of that lone wolf men- wolf mentality that Barrett was talking about. I very much embodied. Um, and I think at a certain point you realize, Oh, I can have a much bigger impact. Um, if, if I empower others, if I enable others and, there oftentimes there's a responsibility to do so and it's it's actually you know what what bear was talking about was vulnerability are you willing to get vulnerable to open yourself up to to different perspectives and to being wrong and to being wrong consistently and i think i've leaned into that i i think if anything like i've evolved some of that you know lone wolf mentality some of this i need to be all doing all being you know honestly sort of egotistical traits that maybe can can uh can launch you in some directions and can really help you, but are long-term not, not what I would call positive or beneficial. Um, I, but I've leaned into, I think a lot of my philosophies and a lot of the things, and I've really like just kind of continued on and pushed harder on, on them. So even, even as I look at, in from the outside though, and, and you know, sometimes it's easier for other people to see the change in you, yeah. your, your, the focus of your work has shifted a lot. You know, you've gone from kind of this, uh, rough riding solo uh, designer who's kind of like against the status quo or like fighting the status quo of the way everything goes to now you're kind of shifting to, hey, I want to be a, a videographer. I want to be a director. I want to shift my work to another medium and show that I can perform in multiple different ways over time and not be pigeonholed into any one thing in someone's mind. And I think that's been pretty cool to watch because not only have you tried to do it, but you've done it pretty successfully so far. And you're building this toolbox of skills that I find fascinating from my angle. Cool. Thank you. I think that's actually the thread I was searching for, which I was like thinking about vulnerability. And I was like, wait, what is a vulnerability? Oh, yeah. Like I've leaned into the vulnerability. And I, but I, I think, I think I'm improving on that in terms of I've really had to like let go. Like I looked like an idiot a lot in the last year, like really. And almost selfishly so sometimes just to learn and learn and learn and learn and learn. But, um, oh my God, it's like so satisfying 
to do that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's been been just doubling down on the vulnerability and on on learning and collaborating with others. And man, surrounding myself with people who are making shit and who are improving me and and not just in a one way, you know, in a situation that I can hopefully add value to them. And I, I don't know, man, it's, it's good. I think, yeah, that's an underlooked part of this conversation is that uh, changing your perspective sounds like a very active kind of phrase. And it is in a lot of ways. You make a conscious decision to change the way you think about the world. But a big part of that is changing your environment, mm-hmm. changing not only the things around you, the setting around you, but the people around you. And those people feed in and create either an environment for change so that your perspective can grow into itself, or they can stifle it if you pick the wrong people. Uh, and it harkens back to conversations we had the first time Barrett was on our <laughs> podcast, right? actually, the where we were talking about the inner circle and how you should surround yourself with the most important positive people that you aspire to be. When we talk about the ability to acknowledge that you should surround yourself with the people that you want to aspire to be, that is inherently change. That's inherently recognizing that you want your perspective to change and grow. And I think that is maybe the biggest part because we we all know, I mean, it's about self-awareness. How do we affect our own destiny? How do we change our own perspective? But having the, the ability to say to ourselves, I understand that other people affect my worldview, my mood, the way I do things, and choosing the people to surround yourself with, so huge. It actually reminds me of uh, a little post I was reading recently, um, and actually something I really respected, and I'm going to give a little plug and then hopefully ask some questions about this, Mr. Brooks, Uh, but I was reading it on bearbrooks.com. Actually, I think I was reading it in my email where it was delivered, but um, it was, you were talking, I don't know the title of the post, but it was talking about essentially leaning into your friend group instead of sort of ostracizing or or trying to dilute or, I mean, those are my words, but spread out your friend group in terms of like, oh, I just saw someone, you know, two weeks ago. I shouldn't, we should plan a dinner with someone else. And I think your point was like, oh, or what if that's just me hiding? What if instead I actually know my tribe and I pull them closer and I really embody that tribe instead of trying to which i mean i will say it is one thing i have done and kind of continue to do which is like have a lot of different not in an overly negative way i think but i am sort of compartmentalized in that you know what i mean i'm not super super in a tight tight knit i mean i have really close people but okay besides the point uh fantastic blog post one of i don't know how many at this point but i'm reading them daily because you're writing them daily or at least publishing them daily huh mr brooks yeah i did i did it's been uh, i think 60 days now as of this recording and Ooh. i just woke up one day and i realized that two of the people i look up to most um you know seth and then a guy named david cummings who's an investor and kind of has has sparked the entrepreneurial movement here in atlanta they both write daily and they both attribute daily writing or attribute to daily writing their ongoing success and audience and their ability to spread ideas. And I woke up one day and it was just like, you know, I think I'm tired of being described as a high potential person. I'm sick of people saying, oh, you've got so much potential, you're going to do great things in life. It's like, well, when the fuck do I start doing those great things? (laughs) That is an all-time phrase right there that is one of the best single collection of sentences i've ever heard on our show or in my entire life 
And it was just an honest realization that at some point that's crippling. It's crippling for people to tell you how great you are when you haven't done shit. And so that day I said, you know what? I'm not going to use the excuse that long form's more valuable, that I don't have the time, that I can't write at certain times a day. I'm going to publish every day for the rest of my life unless something significant changes that. Because I just can't figure out a reason why I wouldn't do that kind of work when I'm capable of it. And if nothing else, at the end of every year, I will have 365 different posts where I had something to say and shared something with the world, even if everybody didn't agree with it. And so today was that post you talked about, Grant. And I had this thought the other day when we were thinking about what we wanted to do for the weekend. And I heard it in my own head and I heard how ridiculous it was. And it was, we saw them the other week. Why would we do something with them again? Let's think of someone else. And as I thought about that, I realized that one of two things are going on. Number one is you pick the wrong friends and you're trying to spread yourself too thin because you don't actually like the people you're hanging out with that much. You're just doing it because you feel obligated. So that's one possible situation or scenario there. The other one is you're just scared to let people in. You're scared to go all in on people. You're scared to actually invest heavily in them and bring them along with you for the journey and have them push you and you push them so that your peer group are the people doing the best work. As opposed to going and finding the people doing the best work, what if you push the people around you to be those people? And what if you invested in them and you counted on them and you took the risk of saying, when I call you, I hope you'll pick up? Because that is challenging. It's scary. It's giving control to someone else and it's saying, I'm going to trust you enough that you're one of my people. And that thought to me was sad because I'd rather have a few people who I count on for at that kind of level than have a bunch of people who I loosely know and never get that close to. And so that was just another kind of shift in perspective that I had. And I think as you, if you were to read my blog, you would see my changing perspectives over time. You would see me kind of putting stakes in the ground as I learn new information and sometimes changing my opinion on things as I go. So I am going to absolutely need to read that post because it sounds so interesting. And also because I don't know that I necessarily agree with that personal philosophy. And it makes total sense that I shouldn't. That's a personal philosophy in and of itself. Your perspective isn't necessarily prescriptive. You're not claiming that you've got it figured out. You're claiming this is how you think about life, the way you work and the way you live. And that works for you. I kind of like the fact that I have a lot of different friends who I don't need to see more than once a month, but I value seeing them that once a month. I value the difference that they bring to my life. I value that we don't share a lot of the same perspectives. Mm-hmm. And so I don't need a tight... I have a tight-knit group of people. I don't think it's mutually exclusive, but I don't need everyone I interact with to be extremely close-knit and tied into my same worldview. Not that I'm saying that that's true of you either, but I just like that you presented a very hardline stance in your change in philosophy, your change in perspective. That before you had this worldview that's not necessarily alienating, it's not wrong, it's not perverse at all, but you changed it because it wasn't working for you. That's right. And it's just like, you know, is am I only going to have five friends that I spend every day with? No, of course not. I'm going to have a wide array of people that I hang out with, that I spend time with on occasion. But it's it's almost like a doubling down on that idea of an inner circle and having the people who you do call every weekend and who you do want to see on a regular basis. 
Um, and so, you know, I think the blog is a way to document my learning as I go and to share ideas that might work for other people and they probably won't work for most. Uh, and I'm okay with that. And dude, I'm just, from my perspective, it's, it's honestly a fucking treat for me to, to just read those thoughts from you. Like, and they've been, I don't expect them all to be super in depth, but they've all, all the ones I've been reading are really on point. And I, I've given you some feedback on that. Like, I really, really appreciate them. I'm so thankful that I, I get to read that. And especially it's like, oh, this is my friend Barrett. This is awesome. And like, let's think about this from even just like a growth and a marketing perspective, which isn't, you know, the main goal here, but can be at least a peripheral thing. Like I have somewhere to point people now, you know, and I have been pointing people there and it's a, it's much easier for me to like think to, to introduce your work to people and to introduce who Barrett Brooks is to people. Cause I'm like, Oh, here's a great way to go get started. Go subscribe to Barrett's daily uh, thing. Cause it's amazing. It's awesome. You're going to really like it. And then from there it grows, right? Totally. And it has been like, I don't do anything to promote it. I, it automatically gets shared to Twitter and occasionally I'll share it to Facebook my whole goal with this was it's you, not well. It's not you do call everyone. me twice a day and ask me to. <laughs> yeah, hey, every hey day. did you read that yet? Did you read that yet? Did you open your email? And he receives actual U.S. parcel <laughs> mail first class. And if I could just take this opportunity, Barrett, I don't know how you got my my mother's number, my my <laughs> father's phone number, the house number that is disconnected but is now <laughs> forwarding some out of my mother's <laughs> iMac. Uh, but if you could leave them alone, please. I promise you, they'll read it. You should have never let me into your home. <laughs> this is what happens. You let him into the inner circle. You lean into it. And what do you and get? This is what you get. <laughs> you got to have a vetting process. <laughs> okay. But no, man, it's just like a sweet project. Thank you for doing it. And and now you put the stake in the ground of it. And now I kind of expect it, right? And so it's like, that's a cool little pressure, too. So better not ever stop doing it, Barrett. I like it. You know, and there may come a day when it doesn't make sense anymore. But for the foreseeable future, I see no reason why I would stop for a good reason. That is actually so apropos to kind of touch on as we prepare to transition because the eventual irrelevance or the eventual inevitable changing of a perspective is not a reason to abandon a current project. Not everything we do has to be, you know, the be all end all. It doesn't have to stand forever the test of time. You're doing this everyday posting, blog, thought-sharing effort. doesn't have to be now until the day you die. And whenever you decide that it's no longer relevant, it doesn't make irrelevant all the times that you did it. And that's the nature behind changing perspectives, is that a new perspective doesn't invalidate the old perspective. And maybe quite the opposite is true that it makes the old perspective all that more meaningful because it led to what you are now. It's right. And, it, and it, if you want to get really philosophical on it, that's the exact point is that if you have a perspective today and you don't act on that. You don't take that and do work with it. Then it's very hard to develop a new perspective. And so the question is, can you ever really change perspective without doing work based on your current one? And I don't know. I don't think so. I haven't experienced it. I don't In think my so, experience, yeah. it's only through doing the work that my perspective changes. I found I found like filmmaking as a pursuit over the last like couple years and especially having started directing, writing and directing stuff, like that to me has been a 
uh, weirdly vulnerable stake in the ground. And it's not as direct as like a blog post that actually <laughs> explains ideas, but there is so much of me in the things that it's like kind of like, obviously I see them very clearly, but it's like a very scary, like, like mile marker for me to be like, Oh, this is like, what was on my mind. This is like a important thing. And this is also a representation of the work I was doing. It's like, sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I have so much respect for actual direct work Barrett, like yours. Honestly, I'm like, Oh, (laughs) I'm like hiding behind, you know, sometimes I'm hiding behind whatever it is. It's like sort of like more loose narrative or more loose work that isn't. But, um, but I will say at the core of a lot of that is like pr- pretty intense ideas that I have. And so it feels really vulnerable to me just the same. Totally. And and yet, despite what you just said about not being as vulnerable, number one, I reject that as a premise. But number two is um, I think it's every bit as vulnerable, number one, to, to go out and do work, even if your face isn't on it. But number two is you just got done giving a TEDx talk that was generous and it was what you were thinking of at the time. And it's your perspective today. And you know, I gave a TEDx talk last year around the time that we chatted last. And that was completely about this idea of living for Monday and not just being in a job to get to the weekend. And that was based on the work I was doing at the time. And now I look back at that and it's like, oh my God, all the things I would say if I knew then what I know now. But that's a relic of that time. It's a souvenir of that point in my life. And you can't help the fact that you're going to learn and grow from it. It was true of yourself then. And if we can look back on our former work and in a kind of like offhand way, it reminds me of our episode with the before you were funny folks. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But it may be a little less, you know, comically applied. But we can look back on our work and sometimes we can say, oh, if I knew then what I knew now, it would be so different. But the beauty in it is. That, that you did ship it, right? Back then, we made that work. Yeah. And we really, really did believe in it. That was very true to us back then. And that validates it in a way. Dude, and I, I will say thank you, man. I really appreciate the feedback on that. Thank you, Barrett. And uh, yeah, that's you, you got you to gotta put it out there. You got to ship it. You got you to gotta put that stake in the ground. So thank you for writing daily. Thank you for doing the stuff you're doing because I think that serves as an inspiration to me and hopefully to a lot of other people. Thanks, man. I hope so too. But if not, at least... Uh, hey, you, I, you got me, man. I'm like super exactly. fan. So. You In the got worst one case, I got a couple friends reading along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. So we're talking about the way that our perspective migrates intellectually, philosophically over time. And so if I can, I'm going to use that as a transition and say it might be time to migrate to the off-topic topic. <laughs> God, God damn you, Bear Brooks. <laughs> God damn you. Straight to hell because, yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, and I- I'll do you one better because you, unlike me, you don't know the off-topic topic. So I know how appropriate it is. We're kind of betraying one of the central rules of 10,000 hours and making the off-topic topic somewhat, you know, relatable to the topic at hand. Today we're talking about moving. (laughs) The physical act of moving from one residence to another. I know that it's pertinent for myself. I know very much that it's pertinent to Grant. And it now sounds very pertinent to you, Barrett. Barrett, what do you think about moving? Oh, man. It's it's an incredible chance to start over. Um... 
you know, it's, it's incredibly stressful. We're literally moving to opposite ends of the country from Georgia to Oregon. The only place you can go farther is like Miami down there. But it's um, a pretty chill area from what I've heard. It is. It's going to be great and we're excited, but it's all new people, a whole new state. We've uh, both grown up here in Georgia for the last like 20 years. You've got no roots out there. No roots. Um, so it's freeing in that way. And, wow. you know, we sold all our stuff, sold my car. We're only going to have a, one car when we get out there. So it's exciting and terrifying at the same time. Man. Wow. Dude, and side note, Brooks was like trolling you. I think. I mean, he was, I think it was actually maybe less of a troll and more of like a, a slight fandom. I feel like you have had to have listened to the show to to be calling out that we're calling out a transition, which Absolutely. is pretty epic. But usually, that's my place. Usually, I go, "Oh, thanks, Vince, for giving us uh, the segue about this segue." <laughs> yeah. So, Brooks, I'm gonna throw you a quick nux. I never miss an opportunity to reference my own reference, so <laughs> I'm glad that you did it for me. It was, it was just fandom. It's fandom. I appreciate that. And okay. I also appreciate the bravery and the initiative yeah. that it takes to move across the country. I've had Whoa. friends that have done it, and it, it's, it is no small task. Friend of the show just recently, Elliot Matson, and your co-host on the other podcast, which I continue to pitch, uh, <laughs> and just I moved to that. Portland. You should connect with him. Absolutely. Um, we'll put you in touch. I have some pretty strong opinions about... Oh, also, thank you, Barrett, for moving to Portland. Now I have a place to stay. It's pretty dope. Totally. I love Portland. Uh... I have some strong opinions about moving. I feel like this last move... Okay, so let me give you a little bit of context. The move before this one was... Like, I've had waking dreams. I've had, like, dreams where I'm paralyzed and people are chasing me with knives and, like, all sorts of, like... Those sound ...debaucherous, like, really fucked up things. But, like, that last move was a nightmare. Like, so we're talking about a year and a half. Yes, so I was was a few weeks off of of a knee surgery... Um, I was still like drug addled. Certainly, I I was Hobbled. yeah. I was on crutches. I was moving out of um, I was moving out of the apartment I was sharing with a roommate, and I was moving out of a studio, which are in two different cities. One is in Bloomington, and one was in St. Paul. And then I was moving into uh one one consolidated work live loft in Minneapolis. But I think I also had to move on like somewhat separate days, which actually made it harder. And I had to pack up both of those places, which was insane. And I had so many friends and my family helping me. And thank you, Vince showed up. Vince helped move. Thank you, Vince. But it was like really, uh, it just didn't feel good. It was emasculating. It was just, it was a lot of sucks. Yeah. And, and so this leads me to to adult life, to changing perspectives, in that I hired movers like a fucking adult on this last move, and my life was so improved for it. And I don't have like twenty five blank checks sitting out in the world with these friends who have come and helped me move that I'm just waiting for them to cash in on. <laughs> I mean, beyond- I have to keep my bank account like <laughs> super high because I'm nervous that I'm going to get <laughs> beyond the social pressure of your friends having to help you move. How liberating is it just to understand? I mean, is there anything else in the world more worth the money than a fucking moving company? Right? <laughs> no, certainly not. It's like, just to get that out of the way, moving is a is a wildly unpleasant experience. One of my least favorite things to do, and I'll have to do it in just under a month. I'm uh, also moving in the near future, 
coming to this area that we're broadcasting from the beautiful north it's loop pr- of Minneapolis. Pretty trendy. Oh yeah, it's very hot right now, and I'm I'm hoping to it's catch like H A W T. I work here, hoping to live here, but I am also gonna, despite you know the the economic pressures of it, going to hire a movie. You are okay. Yes, wow, I'm Respect. I'm committed to that already because I just can't. My first of all, my parents keep offering to come help me move, but they're like 55 years old. Yeah. That's not where I am in life. I'm yeah. not about having my 55-year-old parents help haul my couch. Okay? I will. I just want to clarify. I know I was uh, sort of like down on the idea of blank checks with my friends. You're one blank check that I will ha- happily and always <laughs> cash. Like, you know you that can I'll never on cash me. it. Yeah, Great. yeah. Uh, and not to speak to like, my parents are, are capable of moving my couch, but... I am just I just feel like I'm at a point in my life where I can pay for the peace of mind that a professional service is going to help me relocate because it's a vulnerable experience. You're going from a place that you've invested your safety in, yeah. your home, and you're changing that. You're changing the most fundamental aspect of your environment. That's a big deal. Don't you agree, Barrett? It is. It's a big deal. Um, I've committed myself to being the friend that will always show up to to help someone move if they need it. Just because I hate that feeling of having to ask someone and feel like I'm imposing on them. And it always feels like imposing when you ask someone to help you move. And so I've just decided that no matter how much of a pain in the ass it is, if I'm in town, I'm going to say yes, even if I don't want to do it. Because no one wants to feel like they're being guilt tripped over that kind of thing. And so, you know, on the same side of like, I don't like asking people. I'm just going to be that guy that is not a problem to ask, which is not a call to action for everyone to like call me up and ask me to move them. But it is to say, you know, if we're close, I'll show up. Sure. Yeah, totally, man. Oh, I definitely agree. I've helped m- <laughs> multiple people move in the last, I don't know, a couple of years. Dude, but- and I don't want to get too mushy here, but I, uh, I really appreciate you, Barrett. And I, I know that like not just moving, but you're a homie I could just call up and I know you'd you'd pick up if you could and and you'd show up if you could. So, uh, thank you. <clears throat> and uh, uh, here was an interesting experience I had during my moving that kind of like... Oh, good. I'm put, glad. No, I'm well, glad. so yeah. it, it professionally put into perspective some shit for me in that, like, um, I mean, I'm pretty transparent typically about, like, rates and about, like, how I structure a deal. I, like, because, uh, frankly, usually it helps because people have opinions on it and I don't really ever know technically what I'm doing, but I'm, you know... Um, so it's like, I'll tell you over the past like year or so, I've been, I've been billing at like $150 an hour, even when I'm estimating out, like if I'm doing a flat, uh, price structure, I'll estimate out at that rate of what I think the hours will be. And I was paying three movers $165 an hour, which frankly was like, is pretty reasonable. They're so, they were really good. Like they fast, effective. Oh my! Like incredible. Yeah, they have the tools. They know what they're doing. This is like what they do. And I'm sitting there, like rubbing my like hands together, like, uh, like hurry up, hurry up. Like, oh man, this is costing me so much money. And then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? What am I talking about? Like these guys, like they are me, but for with a different discipline. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, frankly, cheaper and like better, like. I mean, yeah, yes. in some ways, in some ways. But I was just like, it was just a funny, like, it, it, and you know what I realized, though? I realized, oh, I would rather just kind of know know a flat rate that I'm working around. Because That's it, so fascinating. Yeah, and it, I was like, 
I don't know what I ended up paying. It was probably, it was about four hours. So whatever that is, like six, $700, you know, whatever fees. But um, it's like, if I had just known up front, even that it was like $800, I would have been more chill. It would have been a lot. I mean, that's the whole reason for flat fees and estimations <laughs> yeah. and fucking contracts okay, and yeah. agencies, right? right? Yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's fun to see that play out because I haven't had that experience. Maybe I will yeah. soon. Yeah, it's a change in perspective. I think an hourly rate from the perspective of the person performing it makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's beautiful. Like I am insured. I'm insulated against yeah. anything that goes wrong because if the project takes a fucking nosedive, yeah. I just charge hourly and I'm compensated for it. But as the person paying, that's your livelihood. That's your money. That's what you've worked really hard to attain at stake. And suddenly, you know, all the unforeseen consequences are on you. Just looking at the watch, I don't exactly. have. Exactly. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. You actually do. Have that doesn't work. You know that. I mean, <laughs> no, I know. Sorry. Um, that's a little 10,000 hours inside joke. <laughs> a little visual gag for so, the listeners at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think moving is a is a, a visceral way to display a kind of a more philosophical idea of changing perspectives. Okay, and here's... Okay, we haven't explored this perspective. Did you actually mean... I mean, I know you kind of explained, but what I understood it to be, moving was just the like the verb of moving. Like, what am I doing right now? Another visual <laughs> gag. I'm moving. And Grant's I think... flailing his arms. <laughs> if I had my way... I think all people should move more often because I think it leads to a happier, healthier life. You're definitely right. I think it's it's unfortunate how inconvenient it is for us humans with material possessions to change our locations. Can I actually make a quick, uh, an actual serious side note? I was yes. reading, I was reading, and I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Um, this isn't so related to moving, but it is somewhat. Um, I was reading uh, an article on Medium, maybe you've heard of it, uh, but <laughs> I, which has become a v- very much a flavor for like tech and like internet-y, like startup-y, San Francisco type, bl- bl- you know, folks to talk about that stuff. And somebody wrote this honestly really interesting, pretty short piece about like, when did we break this? And then it went on to talk about like, just essentially like, how we've solved quote unquote every problem quote unquote and like all you know every tech company every startup solves these problems and like we've sort of slowly phased out and also i mean it kind of gets into a little bit more of like gentrification of like you know like pushing people who can't afford all of these services from these tech startups out but it's just like an interesting idea of like Oh, we're just oversolving in some cases. And it, it's, it's an it, arrogant point of view, right? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, we want this startup. This thing solves for this. This thing improves this. But it's just like, gee, we can so insulate ourselves now. It, I mean, it, it, I guess that, that was, you know what that was? That is and was maybe the, the, the hyper-rich um, opportunity, if you want to totally. call it that, that has now just become more accessible at a lower price point because of the commercialization and uh, the startup culture around it. But uh, okay, <laughs> I'm just saying. W- I, my point was that we can prevent ourselves from moving ever because of our range of services. Right, exactly. But the fact that 
this inconvenience, this vulnerability oh. is part of it. It's part of why moving is important. The irony, though, Vince, now I'm realizing, and if I can be vulnerable, is that I thought about during my process of moving, I was like, man, I really wish there was sort of a one-stop shop, like not necessarily an application, but maybe, that I could just filter all of my moving needs through because there are, there are these number of things I need to... And, and you're not wrong for wanting that. I know. Because I want it too. Because I fucking hate moving. Yeah. Moving's the worst. I love having moved. Having yeah. moved is great. Moving sucks. But the fact of the matter is, you can't have having moved So, moving. but is this not the same as the quote about writing? You know? Yep. Writing sucks. Having written is it's fantastic. Exactly. So perhaps, Vince, the point is we things. need to go through moving in life. If we ever want to change perspectives, if we ever want to grow, we all need to move. It's, I mean, it, I think moving too, it allows us to prune. It allows you, the, the part that sucks is the going through of your things and packing them and getting them ready to be moved. You know, you can pay for someone to move them, but you still have to do a lot of the packing most of the time. Because only you can decide this goes to Goodwill and this I'm going to keep and that's going to go to storage and whatever else. And I think we hate the process of acknowledging how much shit we are <laughs> dealing with our own bullshit. Of yeah. course, yeah, yeah, introspection exactly. is terrible. Dealing with anything is why we <laughs> have these. I mean, honestly, like it's true. I mean, all of the conveniences in the world are invented with the sole purpose of preventing us or helping us not have to learn about ourselves. Right? <laughs> Ah. Wow. Um, okay, Barrett. That was a fruitful off-topic topic if I've ever seen one. <laughs> Not only was it like sort of offhandedly tied into our topic, but it was also very entertaining. And I would ask you to bear that in mind as we wrap up our show by asking you a pair of questions and you've answered them once before, Barrett. But maybe I don't think he has. We didn't start that. Oh, until that after true? soup meet. Oh, that's right. Actually, right. All right. So for the first time ever, Barrett, can you answer two questions for us on ten thousand hours? I can. They are: How can our listeners support you? And secondly, if you would want our listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show, viewed kind of more or less through the lens of changing perspectives, what would you want that to be? Only one perspective. They can only take one away. Uh, so you can help me. Um, well, actually, it's up to you, really. If you want something new to read, if you want a new perspective in your life, if you want to try something out that you haven't tried before, you can join my daily newsletter. And I'll send you a post every day. And they're usually less than a couple hundred words just because I'm trying to keep it short and to the point. Uh, that would be awesome. And if you don't need something new, you don't need a new newsletter. Just keep doing your thing. Do good work. That would be something for me that I would appreciate. And um, something to take away from the conversation is that I think putting ourselves in situations to do work based on what we believe today is terrifying, number one. But number two, it's the only way to grow. And it's the only way to evolve and develop new perspectives and to change over time in good ways. And so if you're not doing work today that puts your ass in the line, that puts a stake in the ground based on what you already believe, then I don't think you're going to have much hope of changing perspective. 
Wow. And our editor will have dropped in a sort of a bomb dropping there. A boom. <laughs> a nuclear explosion, Manhattan Project X. But yeah, absolutely. I Barrett. wouldn't mind some sort of like gibberish science speak over it as if they're talking about the building of the atomic bomb as well. <laughs> I, I mean, I would because it sounds pretty distracting the way you described it. But I think that is so articulately said, Barrett. You cannot change your perspective, which is something I think we should all strive to do. No one, I don't think any reasonable person in the world wants their perspective to stagnate. Not that their current perspective is necessarily horribly wrong, but everyone wants to grow. They want to adapt. They want to change. You can't understand how you need to change or even why you need to change without actually putting your current perspective into practice. Yeah. (laughs) You never say what you believe. I mean, you insulate yourself from any sort of criticism or any sort of, I think, growth thereby. Even personal criticism, even criticism of your own work, you're insulated from it if you never put it out there. I mean, hey, man, there's a great place to start if you're looking for, hey, okay, maybe you don't have to take the leap and say, I'm, listen, I'm Barrett Brooks. I, uh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. No, I, I, I'm Barrett Brooks and I'm writing daily and I'm going to stand up for this and, and I'm articulate and I'm a dope, dope ass motherfucker. Yeah, it doesn't need but, to be quite so but concrete. Put, put something on the line, even if it's just personally, because I think uh, the irony here <laughs> that we haven't really delved too far into is that, like, a lot of times we shield ourselves from our own perspectives and we, we don't actually. We don't actually articulate to ourselves how we're feeling, or we lie to ourselves, or we avoid thinking about what we're feeling. So there's a great place to start. And then, maybe once you've done that for a little bit, and you've put some stuff on the line, you can take the BB leap, as we like to call it, that Barrett Brooks Daily Writing Challenge. (laughs) Honestly, though, man, thank you for that. It's super generous, and it's super dope. I'm learning a lot. I appreciate you. I appreciate all the praise, guys. It's so kind. It's like you're buttering me up for something. I was going to say, say something. Well, no, well, it's, uh, we're apologizing for having to be on our show, Barrett. Dude, did doing. you hear this? He's trolling us again. <laughs> it's, it's as if you're as if you're buttering me up because you want me to sign you up. Oh, say something. Yeah, could you do that for us? And we'll have you do the show next time. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, we're not going to show up. We'll just start we're scheduling on you. Just me. We're going to no. We'll schedule you with our guests. <laughs> No, no, Barrett, I will ask you one more thing, and this is something you did do before, for sure. Yeah. That is signing us off, and before we do, quick thank you for being the first ever person to tolerate two hours with us, and for giving our listeners the joy of your perspective once again. And the final final perspective from Atlanta, probably. That's right. For 10,000 hours, at least. Yep. I appreciate you guys uh, letting me come on more than once, and... uh, if you're out there and you're thinking about what you need to do today, I got two words. Ship it. <laughs>